Good day and welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. I'm John Merch. Let's head into our feature guest. Oceans is the musical output of Thomas Lee. It's a fusion of ambient electronic layers with shoegaze. They have a job as an acoustic engineer providing some lived-in experience of sound. For Radio Notes, Thomas talks through the tunes on their new EP called Come So Far and about the life that influenced it. Tom, welcome to Radio Notes. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Let's start with Break My Fall. Emotionally, how easy was this song to do and then decide as being the lead cut from the EP? It's harder to talk about than, than I thought initially because I'm used to writing music in my bedroom and having this idea that I'll never go out there and you're sort of, you're safe in your little world. But then, you know, when you put these ideas out there and people are there to receive it, you think, oh, well, actually, there's, um, you know, there's some stuff behind it. For me, when I try to come up with an idea, I like to sort of have like a soundscape, like, oh, this sounds exciting, this sounds sad, this sounds, you know, peaceful. But I think, you know, that sort of had some energy behind it. You know, that's when those words came out, jamming with my drummer, and, you know, it was like, oh, let's, you know, are you going to do some vocals? And I'll just mumble stuff. And I was like, oh, I'll break my fall and whatever. And from that, just sort of just sort of captured that. And then from then a story came out and it's just, it's a very automatic sort of thing, like, you know, times in your life when things are you know not going so well and you know maybe there's someone who you sort of rely on and you sort of think well yeah that'd be great to have you to sort of you know pick me up and you know maybe not make the down part so bad and and it's yeah it's basically about that having that person who can just sort of you know pick you up and get you through the hard times and sometimes that can be a hard thing to to write about Let's focus on that for a moment in terms of the trust of that person that you lean into, as some people might say, for that emotional uh, reaction or, or nurturing is more the fact it's a nurturing of the emotion that you're having at the time. Trust that you put in them and, and how much of that can be a two-way street or not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like all through our life, we try to do our best by people and you know you you try to be there for your mates and you try to hope that you know when you're you know having the tough times that they're there for you so sometimes they're not there and you sort of wish like hey you know uh, it's something that just happens to everyone you know at times when you just yeah want that person around and maybe they're not there and you think well shit would have been great to have you around sometimes it's not as easy to put your hand up and sort of say hey guys like actually um let's talk about things let's uh let's go into this think that there's there's a hesitation probably a lot of monk guys probably just among people in our generation we like to sort of present an idea that everything's going fine and we're all good we've got a you know our instagram personas there's always going to be those times we need that person to rely on and, and it could be anyone it could be a mate or a partner or something like that in terms of instagram persona the band at least or the group or the outfit for the musical output only has about 16 or so posts at the moment so obviously you may be living on another account somewhere else maybe not but can you talk to me about that level interaction because we all know that text can be quite brutal and misunderstood imagery sometimes can be overinterpreted. so how do you find that balance in that kind of visual text world compared to what we're doing now having a conversation 
Oh, well, just be able to see someone, you know, interact with someone, look them in the eyes. You get a very honest conversation. You get those sort of nuances. And, yeah, if you're just trying to text someone, <laughs> you're trying to express emotion, you're trying to be happy, you things like, sounds great, exclamation mark. Sounds good. And then this guy being sarcastic. He trying to, you know, what do, what, do, what do you really feel? You know, we're human people. We're visual. We, like I can see, you know, when I, when I look into somebody's eyes, how they're feeling. Are they surprised? Are they happy? Are they, are they, you know, are they warm to you? And, you know, when we go on Instagram, we try to put this idea about who we are and all these sort of great achievements, but it's not, it's not always like that, I suppose. Uh, may the record show if it hasn't already, I have a, an unnatural fear of the explanation mark. So it's not even the fact of if the person's sarcastic, it's just like, what, what, what are you talking about? It's just why do you need to explain that with an explanation mark? Obviously, it's great to have someone there too, as the song suggests, break one's fall. But also that idea of self-reliance, that you can actually do things by yourself and have that resilience, which is an overused word these days, to actually achieve your own goals and get through certain things. How much of that self-reliance do you have personally or, or as a musician when you're trying to get the compositions together? Putting it together, it's always been a you know solo intensive sort of exercise. I've only recently found that playing with a band has allowed me to give ideas away and sort of work with other people. Typically for the past, say, maybe five, seven years from like songwriting, I would just have this thing that be too hesitant to share with people. So I'd work on it and work on it and sort of make these minute changes and tiny little tweaks here and there. I'm like, oh, but they're not going to like it if that snare is, you know, peaking too much at the 500 frequency. No one cares. And that's been the journey for me just to be able to sort of put things out there and sort of overcome that anxiety because, you know, it's sort of that dilemma, like you try to make something perfect and then you end up doing nothing. Working just away by myself has been a good learning experience for me to the point where I'm saying I'm ready to share this and, you know, take it on board. And so far I've been so ecstatic that people actually listen to the music and that has absolutely allowed me to get out of my shell and just say, great, well, actually I'm just going to engage in the music community and let's write together, let's jam together. I'll come up with a band now. I'll start a side project with other people because there's that willingness to trust in other people's ideas and let things grow. Uh, before we had the chat, I was listening to a tune called Nostalgia Seed by Graza or Grazia or Graza, which is Matt and Molly's outfit for which you play guitar or an instrument in. Yeah, Graza came out of the sort of conjunction of uh, grunge and um, yeah, grunge and, and gazing, Grazer. Yeah, so um, they're, they're Matt and Molly, um, two lovely um, people, two lovely artists um, living out in the inner city. Um, they reached out on Facebook actually saying they're looking for a guitar player and, um, you know, linked their first single. They wanted a new guitar player and um, they reached out and put Fever Dream as their, um, as their single. Like, oh, I like this. It's got that sort of poppy, sort of catchy feel to it. So I thought, yeah, let, let's get involved to a jam with them. And, um, yeah, they liked what I brought. I literally brought a pedal board bigger than an alien spaceship and they're like oh what's that what does that do that's flashing that's cool how does it like yeah you know just chucked it all on you know I don't think my guitar was even plugged in but you know I think just based on that alone they decided to get me playing with them from then on we started writing some music together and putting little bits and pieces there and 
Yeah, I recorded their vocals um, just in my little room here of uh, the Nostalgia Seed, added some little synth parts where I could, and uh, they've done really well from it. So I'm really happy for them, and we've got a really great musical relationship together. I love the style of music they play, and you know the sort of couple vibe is really cool. Matt and Molly, they're such great people, and our drummer Nick, you know, we all get along so well, and you know, have that sort of love for that sort of jangly indie pop style of music. So. That's been awesome. Um, and it's a different style of music entirely to Oceans. Get to come out on stage and play these you know, little fun little riffs and uh, you know, do some vocals for them. So that's really cool to be able to try new ideas. You know, the funny thing was with the, one of the most recent songs, I put in a little guitar idea that I wrote you know, 10 years ago with my mates in this crappy little garage band. We're never going to use it. It was never going to be a popular song, but then you know, Matt's got this, you know, cool idea. He's like, oh, but, you know, what do we do for a bridge? What do we put there? I'm like, well, I've got this thing. And I just started playing it. And it's like, oh, you just came up with that. I'm like, yeah, sure. That hasn't been, you know, batting around as a demo for like 10 years. That's just fun to take my head in a different musical space rather than the sort of layered, textured, 10 synths and vocals and all this, you know, crazy haze going off the oceans. Grace has got this cool stripped back sound, which I like doing. In the show notes, as I like to say, will be that single Nostalgia Seed, if people haven't already listened to it, by Grazer. And that's just a side project for which you're doing, and I wanted to give a bit of a mention to today. If we get back to the EP as we're having a chat about it, there are some songs on here, maybe one or two, that you did just say, what the heck? I, I like it the way it is. I'll go ahead with it. Which song do you think exemplifies that? And in what way, maybe previously, you would have said, nah, I've got to keep on tinkering. But you went, nah, this is it. This We're going with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll answer the opposite of that. Like, Come So Far was just a matter of tinkering away, millions of edits, running things through things that just shouldn't be run through, drums through guitar amps, vocals through pedals. Some of the ones just not throwing caution to the wind, but... Um, I was very happy to sort of give a lot of trust to the engineer's direction. I worked with Aidan Senesia from Footscray and we just got together and said, okay, this is, you know, I just gave him this huge mush of, 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 of reverb and low-end fluff and we just tried to sort of carve some sort of sonic ideas from that. Probably, probably Break My Fall would be one of them and um, even another one that would be one of the last songs in the album, like Disappearing. Even back to the start, in some ways, there was just a lot of, changes halfway through and I think the issue is that when you write songs and you get down to so much detail you just want to keep writing I think what did David Bowie say that songs aren't finished they're abandoned and so it got to the point where we said Tom you're putting the EP out you're finishing the songs like this they're fine you don't need to have a tiny variation on the guitar riff in bar 16 like it's you're finished it's good to go and that was just me saying okay I trust you um you're pretty much the first other person who's really heard these songs outside of you know the four walls of my bedroom so let's do it let's put it out there and if you say they're ready they're ready Mm. you got your chance to actually show a little bit more of yourself in the less polished aspects of and even that i'm a bit cautious to say those words in that way no i love that 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 that's totally right i feel like i've got a lot of ideas to put out and um you know, I was actually really struggling. There's a song that we dropped from the EP that was almost totally electronic, and that was the initial direction. So we've had this big sort of 90-degree shift at one point where we were going, okay, Oceans, what the hell is that? Is it going to be electronic? And, you know, like I loved all those guys from, like, you know, my childhood. Like there was, like, the presets, uh, Gorillaz, 
uh, these very synth-based bands and I didn't even know what the heck they were doing. You know, I just thought it was all, you know, studio magic and I just wanted to make that. But then once the shoegaze came in, I'm like, I just can't not put guitars over this. I think that was a process in and of itself, trying to record this EP and then create an identity for what we wanted to be was an interesting one. So that was a huge trust with the engineer saying that, hey, I think you should push these ideas, go forward um, with your guitars and try to meld that in with the um, electronic. Don't lose both. Let's try to keep a, a cool balance. And I was really happy. And I, and, I, and I think we got that in the end. Like I think for those who listen to it, listen to the EP, they can hear some songs with that electronic ambient influence, but also others with the, with the guitar and with the sort of, you know, My Bloody Valentine, all out there fuzz. So hopefully there's something for, you know, fans of both genres to enjoy. I don't know how often the two mix together, but if you do, then maybe you found a niche. The baritone bass, how does that fit in? <laughs> yeah, I've got one, I've got the one I wrote every, every song on. The black so, one? Uh, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Eastwood, I don't even know what brand this is. I've got a bass six, that's what I'm recording on. But this is the one which I bought uh, 2019, December. And then I thought I will see how we go. There's this Russian awesome shoegaze band called Life on Venus. And I was trying to learn their album. I was like, oh, this sounds cool. I'll uh, play along. And like, why aren't my chords the same as their chords? So I hit him up on Instagram and I was like, hey, guys, uh, what are the chords for your songs? Oh, yeah, it's this, this and that. By the way, it's played on a bass six. I'm like, what the hell is a bass six? So I went out to the shop and I was like, oh, that's a baritone um, tune from A to A. So it's kind of like halfway between a guitar and a bass tuning. Play the most basic sort of notes. like, And then just like you put the reverb, you put the chorus, you put the fuzz and everything. And it's like, that's amazing. And then I just spent all of lockdown pretty much just playing like what arpeggios can I play? Like simple two chord songs that I just, I just fell in love with. So those tones just sort of became this sort of signature tone that I wanted to make an album around and just sort of voraciously wrote songs for about six months. And I was like, okay, let's do an album now. <laughs> so that was about, and that was like at about the 90% completion mark of the EP as well. So I was doing a lot of songwriting while the EP was being written. But yeah, I absolutely love the basics. Um, that that's a great, fun little little guitar. So that guitar is very much the catalyst for that turning point you were talking about, away from the electronica synth world over to a more guitar-based sound, which you get your bang for your buck because you get both guitars in one, really. Absolutely, yeah. I think I like the idea of concept. I think it'd be cool to limit yourself in some way for a release. You're like, what's the idea? What are you trying to say in one piece of music, whether it's, you know, a, an, an electronic guitar album or like you want to do like a baritone album, you know, maybe what's next, maybe try to do even more electronic and no guitars. I think that would be cool just to sort of define your scope and work with what you have and that limitation really sparks a lot of creativity. So, yeah, we'll see what happens next. I haven't started writing for another project yet, but um, keen to try another concept. Has that band listened to your EP yet? Were they privy to it in advance? So, yeah, so we've, um, while we were rehearsing, um, we got together just at the end of 2019, had a few practices, and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they'd heard the EP from um, rehearsals, but then um, 
you know, some songs slowly started to come out and I gave, and I sent them to the band. And it was interesting, the reception, because like I said, you know, from being such a private person and unwilling to share music, I hadn't had a lot of feedback at all. And, um, yeah, I was, I was very much surprised by the songs that people were gravitated towards and the sort of reception I got. Um, some people like songs that I never really thought would be singles at all and some music I was planning on not even releasing, they said, oh, this should probably go on the EP. So that was a really cool like experience, getting people to listen and you know give some feedback. Just so I'm very clear with my question, when I mean the band, I mean A Life on Venus. Have they heard the EP? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that band. I don't know if they have. I follow them on Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm sure they have. I'll, I'll maybe I need to brush up on my Russian, but uh, I don't know. I'll find out. I don't know if it's their style. They're, mm-hmm. they're not as electronic. If, it'd, be, it'd be cool if they did give it a listen, but um, yeah, no idea. I, I hold that band in such high regard. If they listen to the EP, I'd be swooning. <laughs> Tom Lee joins us from Oceans. Oceans is his outfit now with a few members on board to help him on the sailing of this new EP called Come So Far. I note that your earliest musical memory has something to do with some very visually impaired mice. What was so triggering about those three blind mice for you? <laughs> Would that be uh, learning a piano in a uh, in a stall in primary school? Um, <laughs> obviously, it's a very inspiring piece for me and, um, you know, just something about you know, overcoming adversity um, as a mouse, but not only that, by by being visually impaired. Um, mm. It's something that really, really speaks to true adversity and I try to channel that in my writing. Um, you know, how can we be like these mice? Really, are we blinding ourselves, if anything? You know, and you've got to think that rats can be, be cooks or chefs in ratatouille and <laughs> really the whole career of a mouse isn't what it used to be. It's not all cheese and wine. And Seriously, though, <laughs> did you get turned off of the keys for a little while there and did you come back to them later in life? Yeah, that was a weird one. <laughs> Learning music was such a, like, I always thought you had to play to get your grades and you had to reproduce music that someone else had written and it was a very robotic sort of exercise. So you'd get the sheet music and be in the time and if you can play this piece of music, you are good. And that was how I experienced music early on. It was a, it was a technical exercise. So we went through all of the piano and I said, yeah, yeah, playing the song, okay, happy now. Okay, let's do something I'm interested in. Let's play guitar. So, you know... Dropped keys in primary school, high school, got into the guitar. My guitar player played on a mandolin. And already I thought, this isn't very rock and roll. Like how come, you know, I'm seeing all my rock gods, Kurt Cobain, John Frusciante, rocking out on these, you know, cool strats, you know, metal strings. And, you know, you've got this sort of like, you know, tiny violin looking thing tipped over. And, you know, so I'm playing these, I'm playing these songs, I'm playing these Green Day songs. I'm like, I'm not really into these guys. So then you know, put that away for a while. And then, and then music sort of stalled for a while. And then my mates started playing at these gigs. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like I get this amazing feeling when I'm out with my mates watching you perform, like rocking out. And like, it's not that technical, you know, mumbo jumbo that I was learning early on. It's just like, it's pure expression. But then it even took me a while after that to say, well, hold on, they do music. I know music. Why can't I just make this as an expressive tool. And then it took me sort of that 
realization to say, Let, let's start doing this. Let's express ourselves. And it doesn't have to be this perfect, look how good I am. I am this, you know, guitar god, uh, you know, composer extraordinaire. It's just trying to get these ideas into a song and share that with people who can hopefully relate. And then you sort of, and that just almost is like a conversation. And then at some point, the keys came back. I, I, I'm, I'm looking across in your studio today and there's organs, there's synths, <laughs> there's keyboards. So obviously the black and white keys came back. What happened? Did. Why did you come back to the keys? I discovered reverb. When, you know, when I discovered these magical sounding things, they weren't just, you know, you press a button and one note and one tone comes out of it, but you can change that and you can make it a, a booming bass so you can make it like a luscious pad. I thought, this is for me. This is what I want to get into. When I hear music that I can't understand, I get really excited and I say, how do I do this? What is the secret? What is the recipe? You know, I can't just make a guitar sound like a guitar and I can't make a piano sound like a piano. I have to sort of almost do the opposite. Like, how can I make my guitar sound like a, a synth? How can I make a synth, you know, have that plucking sound of a guitar? So since I discovered these 80s synths, I was like, I've got to work out the secret to this formula and dial in these patches and make it sound amazing and just try to create a unique sound that will hopefully, when people listen to it, go, oh, geez, how did he do that? That's interesting. It's all about the timbre, not necessarily how well you play it. It's also the math and formula, the, the same formula which you were a bit concerned about back in primary school that was too constrictive, but you need that in a way to figure out the mathematical equation, don't you? So you do need that theory. I'm very much a self-professed math nerd. It's, uh, it's not cool, it's not sexy, but you know, I love you know, dissecting the difference between a you know, sawtooth wave and a sine wave and how I can destructively interfere them and use filter cutoffs to try and or like resonance to try to make something sound absolutely totally different from when it started, trying to dial it in, make the perfect patch. It's almost like a mathematical exercise and that can just take you down a rabbit hole. Well, some keyboards like calculators actually give you the graph to actually work within the spectrum of. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, what are they, some of the um, Korg synths do that? Yeah, my, my micro Korg. Sorry, my monologue does that. You can see the wave and you can say like, oh, this is, you know, this smooth sort of, you know, triangle sort of like pulse. It looks like a, looks like a flute. It sounds like a flute, but it's got this triangle sound. But then, you know, once you start dialing up, it just gets this absolute chaotic wave. And like, that is a perfect visual representation for the sound of this absolute chaos white noise. That is what I imagine it looking like. I imagine you're someone who's more oral than they are visual, but... It sounds like I'm wrong. I, are you a visual person as well? What visually stimulates you creatively? I think there's a connection between album art and, and what you hear. I don't know if I've been, you know, maybe the first, I'm sure a lot of people have this sort of thing, but when you really connect to an album, you think about that album art and then you just, those sort of colours come out. So like say, you know, Life on Venus are a good one, um, very black, dark sort of album that really matches the tone like this dark you know the, the, these synth notes that start out that are like a doom like there's a good one like washed out had a really cool one is like a purpley sort of filter you know any sort of like album art that comes out you just associate the the sound with that tone so you know when you try to create your tones you sort of think oh how how would I represent this in a color what visuals would work with that 
Well, let's talk about yeah. um, an outfit called Oceans, which you're quite intimately aware of. They have an EP out called Come So Far. I want to say it's cyan blue instead of cyan green. I wanted the art to be representative of the mood, um, and it's a very dark sort of, like you touched on, the sort of cyan, the sort of uh, deeper colours. I said, you know, look, it's a bit on the nose, but, you know, I do want some sort of visual imagery to my artist name. I want the ocean to be in it, but I don't want it to be this sort of calm on the, you know, seashore on a beach. I sort of want to be when you're way out in the ocean, you can't see anything around you, and sometimes it's chaotic and sometimes it's turbulent. But I wanted that mood to be established. Like this isn't like a pop sound to it. And it can be a pretty moody EP. I sort of wanted those colours to be represented and saying, okay, this is going to be a sort of, you know, sad boy, doomer sort of shoegaze EPs. So like, you know, when you look at the cover art, you can sort of get an idea that this is the tone we're going for. The artwork was done on Fiverr. I put it out there. I can't remember the exact artist's name. I can, uh, I can dig it up. You outsourcing again. It's you trusting other people way outside of your circle because just like an air task or any of those, it's something you don't really know getting right into your work. Yeah, there's so many amazing artists and talented people out there. I think if you're just willing to sort of you know, put it out there and say, hey, um, I trust you. I trust your vision. I'm no artist. Please go use these ideas, use these themes, and, and, and they come up with great stuff. And, yeah, like you said, just trusting other people because, um, you know, there are just so many amazing people who just want to, get an opportunity to express themselves. Like with any good mixing engineer, mastering engineer, artist, you've got to trust other people in the process. And that's been instrumental in getting me out of my shell. Mm. Did mention Aiden, but also we've got Becky and Jessica. Yeah, uh, so Aiden and Jess work out at Love Shack, which is this beautifully um, crafted recording studio out in Footscray. Um, it was a former shed. I've got a bit of a background in acoustics, so I'll... I'm a little bit of an acoustic snob, but I've got to say she's done an absolutely bang-on job insulating this shed so the, mu- the noise doesn't come in and the music doesn't come out. Got a great feel to it, like a really great live feel to it. We recorded some drums in there with some really washy cymbals and rides and the room mics really picked up that sort of ambience, which I really wouldn't expect from like a small space like that. So she was really great at um, um, setting up the room and then, you know, letting Aiden and I go to work on, you know, the, the recording and the tracking. So absolutely couldn't have done it without her. Becky got on board as well because a lot of my other friends who are artists have worked with her. She's a really fantastic vocal coach and vocalist herself. And she had this idea for Come So Far. I just threw all these harmonies at her, sort of like this brick wall of like, okay, well, I'm going to sing the lead note. Then I'm going to sing a third above that and then a fifth and then maybe do an octave above and maybe an octave below. How does that work for you? And she just sort of looked at me like, okay, I think we can do this. So, you know, we, we went in and we literally just sang through the same song about, it must have been like, you know, 50 times to try, you know, to get all those harmonies right. She was just amazing at sort of, you know, getting that performance out of me and um, sort of getting those levels right. So it would be a big collaborative process between Aiden, who would be the lead engineer, working with Becky to get the vocal stems and um, order them in a way that would make sense in a mix with all the other crazy stuff that I threw at him, such as, you know, a whole bunch of different synths, all these drums with other drum samples, guitars overlaid with other guitars. Because I've got the benefit of visuals, note that there is a Red Hot Chili Peppers reference within my line of sight. So can you talk us through what the connection is 
I am really influenced by John Frusciante's music. The tattoo that you um, referenced was after a maths exam, um, I think in second year uni. I didn't really know what I wanted to do to celebrate, but I thought, let's just go get a tattoo. And I must have listened to a Frusciante song or something on the way in. But, um, you know, I always wanted that sort of thing to say, okay, you know, this is like a connection to music and, you know, sort of have some sort of meaning behind it. And, uh, you know, I feel like that way it's worked. It's sort of a nice reminder that, you know, this is, this is why I got into music. I was always inspired by, um, you know, if he did some albums like Neandra Ledez to record water for 10 days, those sort of albums like made me want to um, get into music in the first place simply just because of how accessible they were. When I was growing up, I thought that music was just made in a black box in a studio somewhere and it was all magic and trickery. But then when I heard a lo-fi album like that, I could actually hear all the elements, you know, I wasn't sort of advanced enough in my musical understanding to sort of differentiate all these different layers, these complex layers. But if you just hear a guitar and a vocal recorded into a four track cassette, you can actually appreciate that this is just a guy singing into just expressing himself. And I was like, well, okay, if he can make something so beautiful and so artistic with such a simple setup, I've got all that at home. Let's start doing it and see if I can get to a tenth of that level of creativity. And I'm hoping always that I can try to strive to that goal. Which one of John's records should someone start with? What's the entry record, do you think? Have you seen that meme of like the iceberg at the top? And it's like the, you know, <laughs> the popular bands at the top. You know, you got the Beatles, got your Lady Gaga, and then you go further down to the tip of the iceberg. And then the sort of accompanying image is, is like a very distressed Duma guy with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and their hair falling out. So if you ever want to talk about the top of the glacier, Curtains is a really great album. The Empyrean is another fantastic album that is full of instruments and it's um, really like probably as a songwriter that I really respect that sort of top level of songwriting that I've ever heard and just amazing production, experimental production as well with the way the drums are panned left and right, a lot of synths, a lot of harmonies. That is a great starting point. I'd say the, the, then you can go the polar opposite into more experimental territory. Neandra Ledes is an example that I mentioned earlier of uh, someone singing into a, I think it was a boombox from a acoustic guitar and vocals, but just very raw, very unpolished, but there's hell of a lot of emotion in that. And that's the sort of thing that can really touch you and sort of you feel it in, in your gut. You're like, oh, this, this is someone coming from a, a dark place, from a deep place. That was inspiration that just set me off on a, on a journey for writing music. And I'd love to touch people in the same way that that album touched me. If I was asked that same thing of some bands that I'm thinking of, the record I'm going to choose, I wouldn't necessarily suggest because that is too clear where I was at the time. I was down the other end of the pool where people really wouldn't want to dive in. It's a bit murky or whatever the case may be, as you might have suggested. But at the time, that's where you were. That's where you dived in. That's such a good point. I think um, music has that ability to sort of connect people together to sort of say that, you know, it can be like an arm around your shoulder to say, I'm here with you. We're not always great at reaching back to break my fall. Like we know it's great to reaching out to people and having those people around you. But if you have a really great song that connects with you, suddenly think I'm not alone in this anymore. And those thoughts that I couldn't even think of expressing, someone has succinctly noted that 
down to a song of, of beauty and then you think, well, hold on, this is someone who's been through what I've been through and look where they've come and look at the great things they've achieved. I think I can get through this. And I think that is a, a part of the beauty for music, at least maybe for me, is that you can connect with people on those levels and you can really help people through things that maybe they weren't perfect at expressing themselves. Will the following release, are you going more for an album next time or are you going to be a person who releases EPs like stages and then maybe put them together some way later? I'm about halfway through recording an album now with the baritone. I'm at Birdland with working with Lindsay Gavina and we're doing some fun stuff with a band this time. So it'll have definitely more of sort of a live sound sort of feel. So I'm hoping to get an album out in the near future. Got a bit more to go. I'm really excited for that. Another release I'm hoping to put out is a, um, I guess you call it an EP. It, it's a collection of songs with some other, uh, with another UK group out of Manchester and Bristol. This will be a little side project to Oceans. It's a really good midway point between the EP and the album, um, having these ideas of, um, you know, heavy guitar rock with more of a lean towards sort of like nothing, um, that band, and uh, sort of some post-rock, post-punk sort of ideas as well. But these guys basically wanted to share some demos over Reddit, said, okay, let's put some vocals over it. And from one song, I'm like, okay, here you go. Here's some ideas that I would do and go on your merry way to setting me another four tracks and then getting really heavily involved with them. We want to put that out as a split EP. So I'm going to put some album songs on this EP and put some of their songs together and sort of say, oh, you know, here's these two bands with, you know, similar tastes. Check them out. Yeah, I'm really excited for that one. They're still going through their lockdown and it's taken them a long time to get into the studio, but mm. we're hoping they can finish their parts midway through this year so I can jump on and, and finish the vocals. With all this talk about working and collaborating with other people overseas, what would the Tom Lee of uh, a decade ago be thinking? <laughs> the Tom Lee of a, of a decade ago, probably the mental breakdown, <laughs> to be honest. It's been a long time coming, you know, coming out of my shell and being able to have confidence to say, oh, one thing is to share your music with other people, but even to trust that you can contribute to some other you know, body of work, that's an extremely daunting thing. It takes a while. It took me a long time to get confidence to say, personally, if I listen to this, how about you try that? And sort of, you know, hesitantly just, you know, place it out to the side and then they come back and say, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Now try all these. I'm like, oh, they like it. And then that gives you the confidence to sort of go out and now I don't think twice about it and, you know, I feel like I've been a, a, a very long journey and be able to sort of trust my ability to songwrite and, and collaborate with people. And, yeah, I'm super happy that sort of I've come along this journey because otherwise I never would have released anything. And trying to work with other people has allowed me to make way more music than I would have ever been able to do before. You know, it took me almost a decade to release four songs. Through working with other people, I can put out an album and, and an EP and, there's nothing more exciting than making new music. Before you leave us, I want to check in on a few things. Uh, one of those things is you said in an interview that your favourite place to listen to music is a long bus ride travelling to destination unknown. I was listening to Stadium Arcadium by the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the way from uh, Munich to Split in Croatia. Um, in case no one's done that, don't do it. It's terrible advice. It's a terrible journey. But I just had so much time to stare out into the countryside, contemplate some questionable life decisions on a Europe trip, as we all do. But yeah, listening from that, from that album from start to finish, that 
album in particular was such a great sort of snapshot of a point in time. Um, I feel like listening from something as singles doesn't quite paint the same picture as sort of, you know, going from start to finish and sort of getting those ideas. So if you've got that time to just sit on a long bus ride, a boat, a plane, listening from an album to start to finish, you can really hear what direction they were heading in at the time and you can get those sort of nuances. It's a really great deep listening experience. I love listening to music when you can just sort of trip out, your mind's not focused on anything, let the music take you somewhere. Your full-time job is as acoustic engineer. What are we missing out with today's architectural spaces when it comes to acoustics? Oh, I could be pretty harsh on the building industry today, let me tell you that. I think we should make things about trying to make the best sounding space possible and not trying to do things for as little cost as possible. I feel like I come across a whole bunch of different clients in acoustics and some people have very great intentions of let's try to make this a beautiful space and let's try to connect it together. It's not all, you know, studios and live music spaces. It's also, you know, office fit outs and it's the way that we use sounds and in particular annoying sounds, how we can minimize that. It's like how we can interact in a space and not be distracted by noise. If I want to make you know, a, a massive building with a huge open atrium connecting all these levels together, well, I'm going to hear Joe Blow downstairs, you know, talking about his weekend, drinking a case of beers and, you know, watching the Saints get smashed in footy while I'm trying to, you know, have an co- important conversation on the phone, you know, two desks down. If we can just try to create spaces where, you know, we, we can interact and not be distracted by noise and use good noise effectively and try to cancel out noise that harms us, also just, you know, trying to find good ways to make music work in, in smaller settings. Um, acoustically, you'll see my background. I've got a very uh, average setup of, uh, you know, plasterboard walls, mm. very hard reflective surfaces. Mm. Can't record much good music here. You know, if more homes had the ability to incorporate music um, recording and even just getting that basic idea of like, oh, how can I make sounds sound nice? How can I use my, you know, furniture and my... Um, things got lying around the house to actually record music. You don't need to break the bank to go into a, to a fancy studio to make good music. It'd be great if we could do that more at home. Mm. Stuff they'll read on a music blog, like, okay, you know, I'm going to just, you know, stick a, you know, some foam next to my speakers on the walls and, you know, bring my desk back a certain, you know, wavelength from the wall and, you know, that that's all set up. But um, it can be a tricky thing to master. If you want to record and listen to music critically, you almost want a... Um, flat frequency spectrum and very few spaces really achieve that. If you have a space that works for you, I think that's important. Like it's such an old cliche, but if you can trust your ears and you actually know that the sounds you're getting in the room and how they sound in different rooms, then you're golden. The thing that's always amazed me about engineers in particular is they know their setup, they know their space, and they know that when they mix something, how sound in other rooms. So if you can get a setup that works for you, that is somewhat level it's somewhat treated it's not going to have a two-second reverb tail and you trust what's coming out of your speakers that's awesome for a musician that is good and as a music fan listening to music just just crank it (laughs) just listen on you know good quality set of headphones mastering engineers are so good these days at making music sound great in any room you could have you know amazing ten thousand dollar speakers that you're mixing an album on but if you can't make them sound great out of some hundred dollar grot boxes that's not a proper album afl what team's your team 
I'm in Footscray at the moment and I went to school with a few of the, the footy players out there. So I'm a diehard Bulldogs tragic. Will Anderson is a huge fan of this team as well. So I do wish them well because they sound like they're a good bunch of dogs. The best dogs. <laughs> Tom Lee, thank you very much for joining Radio Notes. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the chat and thank you so much for promoting new music and up and coming artists. I can't begin to express how great that is. Thomas Lee of Oceans. Come So Far can be found at oceansmusicaus.bandcamp.com. Thanks very much to our feature guest this time, Tom of Oceans. Next time, Mia Dyson will be along for a conversation. Radionotespodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Murch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 